Hey, this transit stop is busted. I'm Torin Atkinson. Mini Strokes is my favorite tribute band. I'm Joe Fulgham. Hogave, a once-in-a-lifetime experience you're sure to forget. I'm Dr. Rob Tarswell. I wish I could remember what I forgot I needed to remember. Oh, wait. I'm Kevin Leeson, and this is Caustic Soda. The word origin from dementia comes from Latin. It literally means a being out of one's mind. Dementia. Oh, okay. Mm. D- All right. Unmind. Is, out of mind. So is this like if you have an out of body experience? Can that be called dementia as well? That would be out of body. That would be de- decorporea. Yeah, decorporeous. There we go. Is someone who has dementia demented? Same thing. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about uh, Doctor Demento? Dr. Demento. Mm. Is he Mayer? out of his mind? We, He's we never don't. submitted to psychiatric examination. Thank you. Ah. Uh, and Alzheimer's is named for Dr. Aloysius Alois Alzheimer. Uh, he's credited with identifying the first published case of pre-senile dementia, which later on would be uh, called Alzheimer's disease. Mm. Dr. Aloysius Alois Alzheimer? Yes. He's got three names? Well, his name is Aloysius. Okay. And for short, they would call him Alois. Alois. Or Aloysius. Okay. I'm not That's, sure exactly. Call him Al. You can call me out. <laughs> call me out. That that do, song do, do, was actually do, about that. Oh, I do, hope so. Because they would forget the real name because uh-huh. of Alzheimer's. That is a hell of a name. So are we saying that Alzheimer's and dementia are exactly the same thing? Or They're just... not. Uh, well, first off, dementia is a broad category of brain diseases that cause a long-term and often gradual decrease in the ability to think and mm-hmm. remember such that a person's daily functioning is affected. Other common symptoms include emotional problems, problems with language, and a decrease in motivation. Mm-hmm. A person's consciousness is not affected, however. Uh, Alzheimer's disease, uh, which is also known as Alzheimer's disease or just Alzheimer's, accounts for 60 to 70 percent of the cases of dementia. Mm -hmm. So it's most uh, dementias are caused by Alzheimer's disease. So Alzheimer's is dementia, but not all dementias are Alzheimer's. Correct. Yeah, exactly. But Alzheimer's. 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 Uh Is Alzheimer's. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, Other common types of dementia include vascular dementia, which is about 25%. uh, Mm. Lewy body dementia, about 15%. Lewy body? Yeah, Mm -hmm. L-E-W-Y body dementia. Wait, is that the, uh, that's the victim in the game Clue, isn't it? (laughs) Lewy body. (laughs) Lewy body. Yeah, I think so. Who created that. Mm -hmm. Dementia with Lewy bodies is a type of dementia closely associated associated with Parkinson's disease. What is a Lewy body? Lewy bodies are cellular inclusions that were first noted in the neurons of the substantia nigra. And what's the substantia nigra? That's the substance in your brainstem that produces dopamine, which is responsible for fluid motion. So individuals with Parkinson's disease have decreased motion, shuffling gait, uh, tremor. Mm-hmm. Parkinson's disease can evolve to become a kind of a, a dementia of its own, which is very similar to uh, Alzheimer's disease with also, movement problems. Lewy body dementia is in the spectrum of what we would call Lewy body disorders, of which Parkinson's disease is one. At the other end, okay. Lewy body dementia is an Alzheimer's-like disease, mm. but it also involves Lewy bodies in the occipital cortex, and it is a version of Alzheimer's that prominently features visual hallucinations oh. and REM sleep disturbances, which is, uh-huh. as, as we all know from previous episodes... When your body 
does not stay paralyzed during REM sleep. Mm-hmm. And so individuals can act out right. frightening dreams mm-hmm. yeah. up to including things like, you know, spousal murder and, and being chased by ostriches mm-hmm. or chasing right. the ostriches. Uh-huh. Alzheimer's is a chronic neurodegenerative disease that usually starts slowly and worsens over time. Mm-hmm. The most common early symptom is difficulty in remembering recent events, i.e. short-term memory loss. Right. As the disease advances, symptoms can, can include problems with language, disorientation, including easily getting lost, mm-hmm. mood swings, loss of motivation, not managing self-care, and behavioral issues. Mm-hmm. As a person's condition declines, they often withdraw from family and society. Gradually, bodily functions are lost, ultimately leading to death right although the speed of progression can vary the average life expectancy following diagnosis is three to nine years can a baby be born with alzheimer's i wouldn't think Mm. so no neurodegenerative disorders would be quite rare in children you can have babies born say with neurological damage due to uh, birth catastrophes such as stroke and so forth right so what Alzheimer's is, is it's a buildup of these uh, amyloid plaques, which I tried to look up what what the heck does amyloid plaque mean? It's like, oh, it's a buildup of amyloid plaque. What's that mean? Uh, an amyloid is just a protein that gets folded wrong. So we've right. heard of the protein folding at home that you, we do to try and discover ways to fold these protein molecules to maybe come up with uh, cures for diseases and things. Yeah, there's, a- there's, uh, there's, uh, for those of you who haven't heard, there's a software called Folding at Home. Uh, one of the uh-huh. challenges that science has is there are all sorts of different ways that you can fold a protein, and they do okay. different things based on the way they're folded, and it takes a lot of protein processing power to find out so people can run a folding at home thing is this like when you have a hamburger but a hot dog bun so you have to fold the protein to make it fit into the bun or is this more like a gap situation where you have to fold the t-shirts differently to fit on different shelves I don't think it's so much folding as just, uh, it's more like origami, that the way that you fold it de- determines what the protein can actually do. Ah. And so these amyloid ones get folded wrong. I right. don't know what that means. So less of a swan and more like a jellyfish. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then because of that, they tend to clump up. Mm. So you get these buildups of these amyloid plaques in the brain. Is that what their Eddie Murphy movie was about? The clumps? The clumps. It's about meet, meet the clumps meet in the your clumps. brain? Yeah. The folding. Uh, the other proteins? feature of uh, Alzheimer's disease that's probably more relevant. Amyloid plaques were they've attempted to be the target of uh, of drug interventions, but mm-hmm. you, can, you can clear amyloid plaques; it doesn't do a damn thing. Um, there are also neurofibrillary tangles, and yeah. that happens inside neurons, and that's when the uh, what you could basically call the endoskeletal structure within the cell start to get all twisted and tangled up because with, with, cells have skeletons yes they do what the yeah. shit <laughs> yeah and those That's are scary those are basically scary those are basically cool. frameworks that are used as transportation systems to move around metabolic products okay and uh. if those get wires get crossed or twisted or tangled then you're not moving metabolic products through the cell anymore yeah. gradually leading to cell death and then at the end, you just kind of have this skeletal ghost of a cell, oh, right? But I mean, which is the know. NFT. Under so the all you got to do is untangle, problem solved. Well, we don't have tweezers that small yet. Mm. Well, no, no, you don't need tweezers. You just do like you do with the cable for the microphone, right? You just unplug one end and shake it, and eventually neuron comes by neuron. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Neuron by neuron. Yeah. So we we could probably do that. I don't think we've got a way to do that and still have people be alive. In the immortal words of a great philosopher, shake it like a Polaroid picture. So if I'm like employee of the month and they say like, we're going to give you this amyloid plaque, 
uh-huh. I'm going to say like, oh, no, thank you. Is that what's <laughs> going to happen? You could politely decline that. Okay. <laughs> well, it's more the buildup of them that's the problem. Oh, you got so, too many. I can, so get, I can take like one or two. Once plaques. you'll get one, everybody will be like, that torrent sure likes amyloid plaques. And they'll start giving <laughs> so, you them, and then yeah. they'll be building up on your shelf, and you'll be uh-huh. getting them in every and single And you'll forget present. where you left them. Like my Hummel figure. And then all of a sudden, your brain stops working perfectly. Yeah. Although oh, lots of lots happened. of people with normal cognitive function have amyloid plaque, so it's um, probably a red herring. I mean, it's mm. strongly associated with uh, Alzheimer's disease. Uh, uh-huh. you, you can't find one without the other. Oh, okay. Well, right. You, well, you can't find Alzheimer's without amyloid plaques, but you can seem to find amyloid plaques without Alzheimer's disease. Amyloid uh. protein is common throughout the body, which is why you don't necessarily want to, and this was um, an, er, an early... Un, discovery you don't necessarily want to block the creation of amyloid because that has problems especially throughout your uh, gastrointestinal system right. where you also need amyloid protein little known fact while they were developing the movie amelie oh. they were like oh we can make her like a uh, like a human like creature but not human so we'll call her amyloid there you go yes yeah, that yeah. was a good joke right uh-huh no, it's I, it's, I it's the sequel. It's the sequel to Amelie, where they bring in the Herculoids. That's right. The Amel- they they yeah. make all the clones and all the Amelies. Amelies. That's the cutest yeah, yeah, Herculoid yeah. you've ever seen. <laughs> there are three stages of Alzheimer's. Uh, in the mild Alzheimer's disease stage, memory loss worsens and changes in other cognitive abilities are evident. People often are diagnosed in this stage. Uh, I did hear, uh, I watched a few documentaries on this, including the Terry Pratchett one, Living with Alzheimer's, and they mentioned that by the time that you start showing symptoms of Alzheimer's, mm. you've had it for about 10 years. Mm. That basically you get this buildup, it's going to happen right now, there's nothing that can be done, and once, by the time it gets to the point where we can tell that you have it, then you've, you, it's firmly got So there's no point for me to go into the doctor and say, hey, check for Alzheimer's so that if I just have it a little bit, it's not too late in 10 years. Well, they're actually, nowadays, we're starting to recognize a number of lifestyle interventions, which, mm-hmm. if employed early enough, mm-hmm. can play a huge role in mitigating... Is it Sudoku? Uh, ...altered... Uh, no. Damn Cognitive puzzles don't seem to really play much of a role. Okay. Uh, things that we do know play a role. Uh, advanced... Shaking your head really hard to untangle those things. <laughs> <laughs> but also... Really, just every morning you wake up and you just shake it. Oh, being like in a metal band. Yeah, head head uh, head banging. Head banging. Advanced education is oh. one. Okay. Oh, really? uh, so do go to college. Do go to college. Uh, okay. Listen to Caustic Soda. Walking about a mile a day seems to be associated with oh. lower likelihood of Alzheimer's That's disease. That's not so far. Uh-huh. Um, baked or broiled fish once a week, not fried. Whoa. Okay. okay. Oh, okay. And uh, maintaining. Uh, a body weight to height ratio within uh, within a healthy within a healthy range, basically like a, like a BMI under twenty eight or twenty nine, right? But not too low, not too low. Uh, yeah, I don't know what my BMI is, but I suspect I'm above twenty eight. I think so. Mm-hmm. That's all right. You don't have much of a brain to defend anyway. Uh, well, there's I, other interesting research that shows that uh, that as body size gets larger, this seems to correlate with um, decreased size of uh, of gray matter. We, we actually call it the brontosaurus effect. Oh. What? Yeah. Wait, wait. The bigger you are, the smaller your brain? Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. In humans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's sure why this actually happens. Now, are we talking about like just like weight gain or are we just like about talking about genetics? 
Um, well, I mean, again, that's very hard to know, right? You just take, you just take thousands of people, you measure their mass, measure their height, put them through a brain scanner, and you find this really interesting kind of tight correlation between uh, gray matter volume, total gray matter volume, inversely correlated with body mass. But is it better to have like oh. a big brain, or is you just want a lot? Because it's not it's the size. Depends of it. Depends on the challenge it's, that's going. It's, it's, the, it's the wrinkles. It's the wrinkles. I, yeah, I know. It's the wrinkles. You've been told in the past that the size doesn't matter. <laughs> But just wait till Dr. Rob weighs in on this issue before you, uh, you know, start to. When it comes to brain position. size, size matters. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, it's not just the amount of wrinkles. Well, the wrinkles are important, <laughs> sure. but we've all got the wrinkles. <laughs> okay. You want big and wrinkly. Okay. Big and wrinkly. Big and wrinkly. <laughs> just like your scrotum. Um, amylo- amyloid too. Mm-hmm. Big and wrinkly. <laughs> uh, problems in the mild Alzheimer's disease uh, stage include getting lost, trouble handling money and paying bills, repeating questions, taking longer to complete normal daily tasks, using poor judgment and mood and personality changes. Mm, I use poor judgment all the time. Does that yeah. mean I have Alzheimer's? Uh, there are other uh, reasons for that symptom, okay. so maybe not. But okay. if you get lost and have trouble handling money and paying bills, mm-hmm. it's possible. You're pretty young for this. Uh, it tends to hit around 65 and later. Okay. Uh, some people beforehand do uh, do get it. Actually, when we go through the history, we'll talk about what we thought uh, dementia actually meant. Mm-hmm. But I'll get to that later. Moderate Alzheimer's disease. In this stage, damage occurs in the areas of the brain that control language, reasoning, sensory processing, and conscious thought. Memory loss and confusion grow worse, and people begin to have problems recognizing family and friends. Mm-hmm. They are una- become unable to learn new things. They are unable to carry out tasks that involve multiple steps, such as getting drunk rest. They are unable to cope with new situations. They might have hallucinations, delusions, and paranoia, and they might behave impulsively. So for people with Alzheimer's, they should just like have a big onesie. Uh, the Alzheimer's onesie. There right? are... <sighs> so you don't have multiple steps in getting dressed. You, you call it the Alzi. Yeah. The Alzi. Or somebody who helps you get dressed that you're familiar with who knows how to care for people who are in this kind of stage of their life. Yeah, sure, for you sure. Torrance is just looking for an excuse to wear a onesie all the time. It's like, I'm just planning ahead for my Alzheimer's I, moment. I, I watched the uh, documentary Living with Alzheimer's uh, featuring Terry Pratchett talking about when he got uh, diagnosed with the disease. And in it, he's very good at, at speaking. They show him, though, on stage reading from his book to the people in the audience. And he does quite well with it. And you see, think, oh, this is fine. Nothing's wrong. And then he just, oh, I'm just having a bit of, there's kind of a shadow on the book. And you can, the whole crowd just gets quiet because they know. And he stumbles and he gets embarrassed and you feel for him. And you can just tell his brain is just not working reading this book. And it's Mm -hmm. terrible to watch. And then he does the same thing trying to tie a tie. Mm -hmm. And it takes him six times. And when he's done, it's kind of a tie that's tied and he goes there we go and like the tail is super long and the other part's short well, that's but it's me. generally in that yeah, yeah, it's like when I try to tie yeah, a tie okay. I'm if sure never... he's still doing a better job than I would okay so they, well, we'll let him know oh we can't uh, <sighs> spoiler Terry Pratchett actually had a rare and yeah sort of uh, almost a sort of a curse in terms of dementia, posterior cortical atrophy. Yeah, PCA. Yeah. Usually, um, I mean, there's, there's, there's all sorts of dementias. Um, they either attack, typical dementias either attack the frontal and temporal lobes first, which would be the sort of the frontotemporal dementias. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alzheimer's type dementias, Lewy body, Parkinsonian dementia, attack the parietal and temporal lobes first. Mm-hmm. And then there are the 
subcortical dementias, the pseudobulbar palsies that sort of start within the brainstem sub, subcortically. In other words, the structures deep within your brain. But a common, a common feature of, of all these dementias is that they're attacking regions of your brain that involve things like your relationship with reality. So insight, mm-hmm. memory. Mm-hmm. And when those things are going, of course, you don't know that you've lost insight because you've lost insight right. in the fact that you've lost insight. Right. Posterior cortical atrophy starts at the back of your brain. And all that you're aware of at first is that, hey, I can't do things that involve vision anymore. I can't touch type anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't operate a calculator or a computer and what the hell's going on? Because you mm. have preserved insight and preserved oh, memory. Right. So you, unfortunately, are watching yourself degenerate over time. Right. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a terrible disease. It is. You, mm. could, you could see it in this documentary. If he knows what's coming and he starts to recognize when the mess-ups happen, and it, I can just tell it makes him mad. Well, my, uh, my grandfather had Parkinson's, and uh, he, he had kind of a similar experience in that. Mm. His, he just started to lose physical function, and he'd been a lifelong farmer. So, you know, mm. uh, his physical function was pretty integral, and he would, just, he would get so frustrated that he couldn't perform basic function anymore that was like a very uh uh uh, challenging part of the equation yeah it's pretty terrible to have the thing that defines who you are slowly die yeah in front of people who love you like this was a hard thing to research Mm -hmm. because you want to find all the horrible and gross stories and all the horrible and gross stories are how terrible everybody having to deal with this terrible slow death Mm -hmm. death you can't get away from it it's going to yeah. kill you unless mm-hmm. you get hit by a car first. Yeah, yeah. Brutal. Severe Alzheimer's disease. By the final stage, plaques and tangles have spread throughout the brain, and brain tissue has shrunk significantly. People with severe Alzheimer's cannot communicate and are completely dependent on others for their care. Mm-hmm. Near the end, the person may be in bed most or all the time as the body shuts down. Science does not have a clear answer as to why Alzheimer's occurs mainly in the elderly. Mm-hmm. Research suggests that age-related changes in the brain may harm neur- neurones, such as atrophy, inflammation, and the production of free radicals, and mitochondrial dysfunction, which would be a breakdown of the energy production within a cell. Mm-hmm. Other factors being explored include genetics and environmental and lifestyle factors, such as the previously mentioned heart disease, stroke, high blood pressure, diabetes, and obesity. So right now, we're just kind of at the stage where we're like, oh, we're looking at this and really starting starting to pay attention to it. And uh, the reason that it's been so recent is uh, we're going to talk about In the History. But they, uh, I don't think anyone's tried my head shaking uh, like an Etch-a-Sketch uh, philosophy yet. Actually, shockingly, there is a treatment that's kind of similar to that that we'll talk about in the news later All on. right, great. See? This guy knows. <laughs> Not a successful treatment, one imagines. Ow. I eagerly anticipate the news. Oh, okay. Uh, you'll, you may be surprised. It's very, uh, very lightly related to shaking. Mm-hmm. Prior to the 19th century, the definition dementia applied to pretty much anyone who lost any type of cognitive function, be it from head injury, a temporary mental illness, or something organic or permanent, uh, as some examples. Mm-hmm. Back in the 7th century BC, Pythagoras divided the human lifespan into six distinct phases. He described old age, 63 to 79, and advanced age, 80 plus, as the senium, a period mm-hmm. of mental and physical decay, mm-hmm. and of the final phase being where, quote, the scene of mortal existence 
existence closes after a great length of time that very fortunately few of the human species arrive at, where the mind is reduced to the imbecility of the first epoch of infancy. Oh, infancy epoch. So he basically says, if you live that long, your brain will just start shutting down. It, mm. it was thought uh, as far back as this that becoming senile, becoming gaining dementia was just what happened to everybody as they got older. And if it didn't happen to you, you just didn't get old enough yet. Mm-hmm. And not many people reached there. Uh, in five Pythagoras, th- yeah. uh, OG cult leader. <laughs> he, lo- he hated beans, evidently. He hated beans? Yeah, evidently he uh, couldn't uh, have one in his presence. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very rational. He had theorems, and uh, but uh, yeah, you know, a little uh, Pythagorean cult. I like. I kind, I think I get it. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> in 550 BC, Solon, an Athenian statesman and poet, argued that the terms of a man's will might be invalidated if he exhibited loss of judgment due to advanced age. Mm-hmm. So they're taking into account: Hey, you get old enough, you can't think right. We're gonna have to change our rules on how these things work. So they're taking into account. Chinese medical texts made allusions to the condition as well, and the characters for dementia translate literally to "foolish old person." Oh, no, foolish old right. person! Take that, Alzheimer victim. <laughs> but then, how yeah. do you describe in those? ancient Chinese texts, how do you describe a person who's old and just foolish without dementia? Uh, that would probably be, they would call it the same thing, I think. I don't know. They would be like, oh, maybe he's just got dementia. I'm really planning on becoming a foolish old man. I don't necessarily know if that has Well, you're halfway there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm two-thirds of the way there. Foolish middle-aged man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Aristotle spoke of the mental decay of advanced age, but apparently simply viewed it as an inevitable process that affected all old men and which nothing could be done to prevent. So agreeing with Pythagoras there. Plato stated that the elderly were unsuited for any position of responsibility because, quote, there is not much acumen of the mind that once carried them in their youth. Those characteristics one would call judgment, imagination, power of reasoning and memory. They'll see them gradually blunted by deterioration and can hardly fulfill their function. Anybody else read Plato's Republic or am I the only one? His little uh, utopian state, his diatribe. I think I tried to read it. No old people. No, well, yeah, old people get kind of shuffled off to the side. Mm. Yeah, his, uh, you know, he's uh, he's kind of uh, the first brave new world uh, author, right? right? You know, like all the children were supposed to be raised communally and stuff like that. He was he, he eliminated mm. parents, right? Because the uh, the 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 when you body say eliminated, politic- I mean they, they shot him and put him in a. So the brave new kibbutz. No, no, no. Just nobody raised their own kids. Oh. They were raised by the uh, body politic as a whole. Oh. Because it, it uh, you know, uh, democracy was better than individual judgment. I, but, brave new kibbutz. Yeah. But that would make me responsible for people's kids. I don't want that. Let them do that. <laughs> You're out of the republic with the old people. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. boo. You're on the island. We'll hang out and play video games. Ooh, the island of uh, Dr. Super Old. More old. I'm crossing humans with old people. <laughs> Creating a new super race. Super slow race. There'll be no threat to us whatsoever. They'll be easy to conquer. Not everybody saw it as uh, inevitable, however. In 70 BC, Roman statesman Cicero shared the opinion of today's views that loss of mental function was not inevitable in the elderly and affected only those old men who were weak-willed, oh, is what well. he said. Okay. He, he spoke of those who would remain mentally active and eager to learn new things that they could stave off dementia. Uh, but that was not uh, actually listened to very much. Mm-hmm. Everybody just kept going on the Roman Empire, kept listening to uh, Aristotle and uh, Plato about this stuff. Well, that was one weak-willed empire. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. 
th- the Byzantine Empire from 300 AD up till 1500, their physicians sometimes wrote a dimension. It's recorded that at least seven emperors whose lifespans exceeded the age of 70 displayed signs of cognitive decline that was never public- publicly disclosed. This is one of the things I tried to, I was like, we've, we've got to have like lots of madness of King George, which was syphilitic dementia. Uh, and they've got to have some stuff of world leaders mm-hmm. getting Alzheimer's or something similar and ha- terrible things happening. It really seems like everybody kind of expected this in old age. And right. those people in power just stopped being in power and they didn't yeah. cause the problem. And they were just very quietly shuffled off. Well, they had the same thing with Reagan, right? I mean, Reagan, by exactly, the time his yeah. second term ended, he was kind of in the advanced stages. And yeah. I think pretty much they just everyone else sort of ran the country around him. Yep. In Constantinople, there existed special hospitals to house those diagnosed with dementia, dementia or insanity. In the 13th century, Friar Roger Bacon viewed old age as divine Friar, punishment for original sin. Yeah. Friar Bacon. Friar Bacon. Sounds tasty. In the Western world, dementia in the elderly was called senile dementia or senility and viewed as a normal and somewhat inevitable aspect of growing old rather than being caused by any specific diseases prior to the 19th century. Sure. It's like so, when people say, oh, he died of old age. So up until... The early 1900s, it's just like, well, you get old, you get your brain stops working, you get mm-hmm. dementia, and you're silly, and we got to take care of you, and it's really super embarrassing. Yep. After the death of a woman suffering from an unusual mental illness, which included symptoms such as memory loss, language problems, and unpredictable behavior, Dr. Aloysius Alzheimer performed an autopsy to examine her brain. He had been uh, following her case before she died as well. He found abnormal clumps and tangled bundles of fibers, today known as amyloid plaques and neurofibrillary tangles. In a few years, others studying the same disease would begin calling it Alzheimer's disease. So Mm -hmm. he didn't name it after himself, but he described this and everybody just said, oh, this guy noticed this we're all doing it, so we'll call it after It him. wasn't yeah. like Lou Gehrig's disease where it was named after the person who had the Correct. disease. Correct. Right. Syphilitic dementia, as I mentioned uh, earlier, was widespread in the developed world until largely being eradicated by the use of penicillin after World War II. Mm-hmm. However, with the significant increases in life expectancy following World War II, the number of people in developed countries over 65 started rapidly climbing. So what mm-hmm. happened was we would have the very few people that would get old would get this senility, but probably, we wouldn't have that many. It's probably do those pesky vaccines. After, oh. oh, you think that's it? After uh, so pesky, pe- people well, getting old it after kind World of War II. is the pesky vaccine because it allows you to live long enough so that the Alzheimer's kicks in. Yeah. Right. So there you go. Oh, double-edged sword. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, during the 19th century, doctors generally came to believe that dementia in the elderly was the result of cerebral arthrosclerosis, which basically means mini strokes blockage of blood flow, although opinions fluctuated between the idea that it was due to blockage of the major artery supplying the brain or small strokes within the vessels of the the cerebral cortex. Mm -hmm. This viewpoint remained conventional medical wisdom through the first half of the 20th century. So even as far as 1950, uh, we were still thinking that it was caused by these little mini strokes, just damage happening to the brain. When did Alzheimer's... That is the cause of vascular dementia. Yes. And after Alzheimer's dementia and vascular dementia, the most common cause of dementia is mixed dementia, which is usually a mix of Alzheimer's and vascular pathology. So you oh, can right. see how they'd make that uh, yeah. mistake. So when did Altsy do his thing? Uh, 1906 was 1906, when he okay. actually did the uh, study of that woman. Do you In the, in the medical community, mm-hmm. what's the shorthand for Alzheimer's disease? AD. You know, AD. You don't say all those syllables. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, when I'm writing in the chart, it's AD. Okay. But uh, yeah, Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's disease or Alzheimer's. Is there a more medically name for it? That is the medical name for it. There isn't something that seems more jargony? That's, more, more... That's it. That's, that's the end point. That's okay. the jargon. All right. <laughs> right there. 
He even uh, jargoned up the word jargon for you. That's jargonacious. <laughs> In 1952, mental illnesses like schizophrenia were removed from the category of organic brain syndromes Ooh. and thus, by definition, removed from the possible causes of, quote, dementing illnesses. Mm -hmm. So we started to recognize, oh, this schizophrenia, is, which is a mental illness, is different from uh, this different. damage to the brain that's causing this cognitive impairment. Different. Right. There's different and that parts was, of the again, brain and shit. Like six, only 60 years ago, where we started to recognize this difference in these two things. Tangles and, and plaques. And yep. a pretty crucial conceptual leap as well. Yep. The idea that illness or disease can exist without an identifiable pathology, because that was the main driver of modern scientific medicine ever since Rudolf Virchow first proposed that we actually examine tissues to determine the causes of disease. Did he have a red nose? He didn't have a red nose. No. But he oh, wait, when he was drunk. He influenced <laughs> the guys who came after, like, like Alzheimer. Got it. Hmm. This idea of actually doing brain studies to find causes of, of mental illness was a modern-ish phenomenon, mm -hmm. sort of a 19th century phenomenon, because um, the whole idea of autopsy determined cause of death and cause of disease was, was fairly taboo and, uh, until the time of uh, Virchow. Plus, everyone thought that, that you, you thought things out of your feet. <laughs> right. You had, a, you had a toad that lived in your Brains are radiator. Why do we want to look at that? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, in 1952, the traditional cause of senile dementia, hardening of the arteries, now returned as a set of dementias of vascular causes, small strokes. These were now termed multi infarct dementias or vascular dementias, as Rob mentioned. Uh, in the 1960s, the link between neurodegenerative diseases and age-related cognitive decline was established, thus challenging the belief that dementia was a result of cerebral arthrosclerosis. Basically, uh, not until the 1960s did we realize that Alzheimer's might be caused by not uh, these strokes. The medical community maintained uh, in the 1970s that vascular dementia was rarer than previously thought, and Alzheimer's disease caused the, caused the vast majority of mental impairments in old age. So not until the 1970s did we actually... So Finally he, go, this one cause is responsible for 60 to 70% of the reasons why old people lose their minds. Right. 40 right. years ago. That's all. That's as far back as it went. So Alzheimer does the procedure in mm -hmm. 1906 where he says, I think this stuff is the cause of this condition. Yeah. And 65 to 70 years later, yeah. we finally go. Pretty much 70 years. Yeah. Hey, he's right. Well, a lot of people said, hey, it's, he's right, this stuff is really interesting, but apparently brains are super difficult to uh, analyze without super high-tech stuff. Brains are yeah. hard to study. Yeah. Uh, uh, the they one... seem so squishy, though. That's part of the problem. No, you try to probe it, and your thing just goes... Whoosh. Sometimes I wish this was video. It's like <laughs> soap in a shower. So, so here's what happened in the 70s. Oh, like you're holding it and just yeah. goes right out of your hands. Yeah, I'm trying right? to, oh, God. Oh, Catch dude. that brain. I'm trying to study it. <laughs> Why did we make this lab on a hill? So what, what it was Stop was... Stop polishing the floors. What it was was before the 70s, they thought if you got this senility, this dementia before you were 65, that mm -hmm. was Alzheimer's. You got this disease that was bad for you. Mm -hmm. But the people after 65 who just got old, that wasn't Alzheimer's. That's just getting old. Right. In 1976, neurologist Robert Katzman suggested a link between senile dementia and Alzheimer's disease. Katzman suggested that much of the senile dementia occurring after the age of 65 was pathologically identical with Alzheimer's disease occurring before age 65. Same thing. And therefore should not be treated differently. 
Right. He noted that the fact that senile dementia was not considered a disease, but rather part of aging, was keeping millions of aged patients experiencing what otherwise was identical with Alzheimer's disease from being diagnosed as having a disease process rather than mm. simply considered as aging right. normally. Not that the, they would the, have been by, able to do anything, the, but... By basically going, man, they're just getting old, they weren't allowing them to get treatment or studying right. what was happening to them right. with the possibility of fixing it. Right. Right. He thus suggested that Alzheimer's disease, if taken to occur over age 65, is actually common, not rare, and was the fourth or fifth leading cause of death, even though rarely reported on death certificates in 1976. Mm. Because you would die of Alzheimer's and they'd be, uh, old age. Right. Because your brain shut down, so your body stopped working. Old age. Well, it kind of is. So we now know that that's Alzheimer's. Right. And we're starting to learn what causes it and hoping that we can end it, which is going to be super hopeful for those of us who would like to have brains that work when we're 90. So who people still, dying of cancer? So people yeah. still die of old age. We just now know that there's a bunch of different reasons that you died of old yeah. age. Who here is going to die of old age? I, I would, think we all are. <laughs> In one way, shape, no, or form, or another. Nobody dies of old age. You die of uh-huh. a thing. Yes. You die of something. Uh, you see... Dr. Rob knew. That's oh, a very, was that the quiz? That's yep. a, that yeah, was, that's that was a pop quiz. quiz. That's a very that, doctory thing to say. That's a real pop quiz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pop is a quiz. Yeah. Right. And I got it right. But all the things that you get are because you're old. I got it right. Mm. <laughs> Shocking. The doctor, medical doctor, got the pop <laughs> quiz right. So, Where's my amyloid plaque? Uh, oh, yeah. Right yeah, underneath yeah, oh, boy, this table. Hey. It's a collection. No, no, he was going to bring it, but he forgot. Oh. So this suggestion opened up the view that dementia is never normal, but always must be the result of a particular disease process and not part of the normal healthy aging process, which actually ended up with a few years of debating, but eventually people agreed with him. A helpful finding was that although the incidence of Alzheimer's disease increased with age from 5 to 10% of 75-year-olds to as many as 40 to 50% of 90-year-olds, there was no age at which all persons developed it. So it was not an inevitable consequence right. of aging. Uh, so there's people who've lived up to 110 or even older that have had as no, and no cognitive impairment. Yeah. Be as much as when exactly. they were 15. Mm. Yes. Got it. There, and for those of you who are wondering, there is some evidence that dementia is most likely to develop between the ages of 80 to 84, and individuals who pass that point without being affected have a lower chance of developing it. Right. So if you make it up to 80 to 84 and your brain's still pretty sharp, you're probably going to do Start just smoking. fine. Start smoking. Start, smoking. Yeah. Start, Start doing, doing heroin. heroin. <laughs> Known demented color means don't forget you are my darling. Don't forget to be All you mean to me Known dementi car My love is like a star My darling Shining bright and clear Just because you're here Please do not forget That our lips have met And I've held you tight, dear Was it dreams ago My heart felt this glow 
are only just tonight, dear. Non dimenticar, although you travel far, my darling. It's my heart you own, so I'll wait alone. Non dimenticar. Se ci separo, se ci allontano, la la del destino. Non ne ho colpa, no, e mi sentirò sempre a te vicino. Non dimenticare, although you travel far, my darling, it's my heart you own, so I'll wait alone, no Public service announcement. announcement. Ten early signs of Alzheimer's. Ten. So okay. All right. This is what to watch for. Are we counting down from no. the <laughs> most, the least to most popular? I don't think these are in it's any It's not family particular. feud style. Number no. ten. <laughs> Number one. Memory loss that disrupts daily life, such as forgetting recently learned information, forgetting important dates or events, repeatedly asking for the same information, or being more reliant on reminder notes than before. I don't have any of those things. I have all of those things. Oh, all right. Sorry, what? <laughs> Can you torn read those, can you read those likely, again, please? As of as of as to this, Torn is more likely than me to have Alzheimer's so far. Yeah. I, I like that it says more reliant than before, because uh I'm remind I I don't remember things unless my phone tells me Reminder these days. Notes. It's just kind of how it works. Mm-hmm. Uh number two, challenges in planning or solving problems. Activities mm-hmm. that require concentration, planning, problem solving are affected, including working with numbers. Activities that someone used to perform regularly and easily may now take longer than usual to complete. These can include following simple recipes, keeping track of monthly bills, following directions to a location, or counting the correct amount of money for a purchase. I never do any of those, so that's fine. Uh, yeah, that's right. You've avoided it altogether. Pretty much. I am getting dumber, for sure, but I don't think that has anything to do with Alzheimer's. Mm. I think I'm just getting dumber. Mm. Naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, your, ag- your mental acuity, your agility, you know, just uh, diminishes over time. Mm, you said the word acuity. That's pretty good. Oh. <laughs> he, he means somebody that's really adorable looking, though. Yeah. <laughs> what acuity. <laughs> that lady is uh-huh. number three difficulty completing familiar tasks at home or at leisure if somebody you know forgets the rules of a game you play on a weekly basis or gets lost en route to a weekly hangout this can be a sign of early alzheimer's mm-hmm. if you are playing what's that magic the gathering <laughs> no Uh-oh. if you're playing magic the gathering and you forget a rule yeah. no big deal that happens all the time yeah last mm-hmm. in first out if you're playing what's that big cthulhu game yeah, I'm gonna need to well, see that has you, like a million uh, Mr. Atkinson. I'm gonna need to see you after the show for some cognitive testing batteries. Oh, okay. Is that Arkham Horror? I don't know. Yeah, Arkham oh. Horror. <laughs> if you forget the rules of Arkham Horror as well, then that's fine. That's a right. Fizbin. That's just normal Fizbin. You've got a triple Fizbin. Hmm. <laughs> it sounds like a sex move. That'd be great. A what? Except a triple Fizbin. Is that a drink? <laughs> it's a, it's a hand in a Star Trek: The Old Series mm-hmm. show where he's conning some gangsters from another planet from the gangster planet mm-hmm. yep <laughs> the gangster planet remember 
<laughs> Sorry. Number four, confusion with time or place. It's common for some with Alzheimer's to have a hard time understanding something if it isn't currently happening and they lose track of dates, the season, the passage of time, uh, orientations such as where they currently are and how they got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are pretty obvious. Like, What if I wake confusion. up in the morning and I don't know where I am or how I got there and I have a headache? Does that mean I have Alzheimer's? That's your Sunday morning, isn't it? Yes, every Sunday morning this happens. It's, it's Sunday Alzheimer's. You might right? be BoJack Horseman. I I think I've I've discovered a new form of Alzheimer's. Sunday morning Alzheimer's. It's the post getting drunk and going home with a random person Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Number five, trouble understanding visual images and spatial relationships. New oh. vision problems can be a sign of Alzheimer's. Uh, as we know, the PCA uh, version of Alzheimer's can affect the back of the brain, which is the visual processing. So problems uh, reading, judging distance, determining color or contrast can be affected by the disease process. Mm. One of the tests, actually, uh, that they put um, Terry Pratchett through involved him just drawing a couple of interlocking hexagrams. Okay. Just simple geometric shapes. Right. And just next to it, this completely terrible, not even really, they don't even look like two circles, kind of barely overlapping, like a child had scrawled it with their left hand. And that's the best that he could pull off of that. It's heartbreaking to see uh number six new problems with words and speaking or writing uh stopping in the middle of a conversation repeating themselves and giving things the wrong word mm. right uh, terry pratchett I think found you mean the wrong bleem <laughs> yes yeah. sorry the wrong uh-huh. bleem terry pratchett uh, by the end couldn't type anymore uh mm-hmm. he kept it up as long as he could and started to have to use uh spell checks and automatic spell uh, checking by the end he was dictating to his uh assistant or mm-hmm. using uh voice to text software to do that to write his last few books robots semantic aphasia yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, he said number number seven misplacing things and losing the ability to retrace steps or was that you just making up a word because you thought it was that's right no these all have fancy words oh i should have been sort of piping up with them. oh yeah Mm -hmm. misplacing things and losing the ability to retrace steps Uh, we all forget where we put something sometimes but we at least manage to retrace our steps to find the remote control in the freezer that's what this thing says. Uh, however, those with Alzheimer's have lost the ability to retrace their steps. If someone you love or care about is accusing someone of stealing only for you to find it in a weird place later, it may be a sign of Alzheimer's, especially mm-hmm. if they can't recall when they last had it or what they were doing at the time. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll put the ice cream in the fridge. Really? Instead yeah. of the freezer. You think you'd, you'd uh, like take more care and attention with your ice cream. I know how much you value it. It's true. I it's a very important part of your I'm life. Am- I'm amazed the ice cream makes it to the fridge. <laughs> oh, snap. Wow. That but was a BMI so sweet joke. And tasty. <laughs> <laughs> I find I for- just forget to put the toilet seat down. When I'm at somebody's house who has specifically said, by the way, the rule in this house is you put the toilet seat oh, down. Oh, wow. I'm like, okay. Before totally or after? After. Yeah, no, I remember to lift before, <laughs> thankfully. I also remember where to aim. Yeah, you just forget That'll to flush. Yeah. Uh, number eight, decreased or poor judgment. Someone with Alzheimer's appearance may change as less attention is placed on grooming hmm. and more time on things they typically wouldn't pay attention to, such as a telemarketer. What? What does that mean? What that means is they stop caring about dressing themselves right because it's very frustrating or they can't figure it out. But something like a telemarketer calling them is something that is instant and happening right now and they can focus on and they get very excited about it and will totally pay attention to that telemarketer. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I love your Ginsu knives. Mm. Oh, yes. Please mm-hmm. keep talking to me about things that I know about and I'm interested in. Oh, you respond well to when I express interest in things? Neat. This doesn't happen very often. Right. And right. just keep talking and then the buy telemarketer things and get gets mad. taken advantage of. 
No, the telemarketer is make a big sale. The telemarketer tells you to get your credit card out. Oh, okay. I guess that's what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Number nine, withdrawal from work or social activities. People with Alzheimer's may stop attending a group hobby such as a knitting circle because what? they can't remember how to knit or stop attending a regular sports event because they forget the rules of the game or who they've been cheering for. What if they just started hating people? Maybe it's not Alzheimer's. <laughs> yeah. Maybe this is, they're like, oh, I'm tired uh, of gotta, everyone's bullshit. We got to have an Alzheimer's intervention because I think that, I think Mabel has Alzheimer's and uh, nopesies. Progressive misanthropy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. It seems to me actually that people with Alzheimer's can kind of come up with that as an excuse. Mm-hmm. Like I would see, when I would see people with Alzheimer's, they, your cognitive biases take over and your human brain wants to come up with reasons for why things are, especially mm. ones that won't blame you. Right. So you start like looking, that's why there's that accusation of somebody stole that thing that I don't know where it is. Right. right. Because there's no way that I could not remember. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with me. So somebody took it. And even after, Oh, well it's right here. Don't you remember you left it there? No, I didn't. Somebody's messing with me because mm-hmm. it's just not there. And it's super embarrassing to admit that your brain is breaking down. Right, but what if you're in a knitting circle, yeah. and they're all starting to get Alzheimer's, so they become really annoying, right? And then uh, you, you leave the group, and you leave the group. You're like, I can't stand you're these old bitties. biased against Alzheimer's people because yeah. of the progressive misanthropy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. precisely. I don't know if it's progressive in Kevin's instance, though, <laughs> no, right? I'm, because um, the, the Alzheimer's am, progresses to the point where he's like, yeah, yeah fuck I these people. I have full-blown misanthropy. acquired misanthropy. Yeah, yeah, precisely. Number 10, changes in mood and personality. Those with Alzheimer's can become confused, suspicious, depressed, fearful, or anxious. As mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. things are going on they can't deal with and they don't want it to be about them. Uh, this can occur at home, work with friends, or places outside of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have an article that uh, researcher Corey, I want to thank uh, Corey and Sherry for helping with the research on this. They found a bunch of great stuff. Thanks, guys. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got an excellent, excellent article about dealing with Alzheimer's, and there's just too much stuff. And it's basically about just keeping things super simple and one thing at a time, repeating without getting frustrated. Uh, there's a I, I've barely covered on the cost to the caregivers of people. We've been talking about what happens mm-hmm. with Alzheimer's, but that's the real horrible thing here is the people who take care of people who have this condition just watch people that they love just disappear mm-hmm. and break down and get angry and fearful and they'll have instances where they're completely terrified because they don't know what's going on around well them. the answer to this obviously is don't love anybody that Boom. is that Problem is an solved. answer mm-hmm. right huh uh, Corey, Check. I am a rock. <laughs> I am an island, and an island feels no pain. A uh, rock feels no pain, and an island never cries. Oh, okay, there you I've go. seen an Thank island you. cry. <laughs> you did? <laughs> How? I've never seen a rock feel pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no, uh, there's no nerve endings no in rock. No in rock. No, no. Corey points out, uh, she's got a suggestion that uh, I really like. They heard about through This American Life. Uh, Normally, if an 80-year-old asks when they can go home because their mother must be worried for them, you're supposed to reorient them to the time and place with the fact as gently as possible. But uh, Sherry suggests yes ending like an improv where you can agree and then distract. So something like, sure, Agnes, but it's already 8 p.m. and it looks really awful outside. Do you mind if I just call her and see if it's okay for you to stay here tonight? So instead of going, no, no, you're not remembering things and like denying the thing that they're saying, you say yes and keep them comfortable because 
correcting them is not going to help that much. Right. But then make it so that they're going to do the action that you want, which is still to stick around. So imp- failed improv comedians should all work in Alzheimer's facilities. Or good improv comedians. Yeah. I would think being able to yes and is a pretty uh, yeah, yeah, worthy like a- skill. Right, but if they're good improv comedians, they probably make their living doing that. Moonlighting. Sure. Do both. Oh, yeah? Think of it. You'll be getting all sorts of great random ask force out of these people, right? That, that they're is true. throwing all sorts of ideas oh, from yeah, nowhere is, out, out at you, and it, you have to roll with it. Good practice. Yeah. I would suggest all improv comedians listening to this to go and uh, volunteer at some old age homes. Mm-hmm. And, be, and just yes and the shit I'm out of them. I'm totally not kidding. Go do that. Why not? Yeah. In the news. <laughs> 2010 Germany. Uh-oh. That, does, that never never starts well. <laughs> German nursing homes started a trend that has taken hold of European nursing homes throughout the country. Fake bus stops for Alzheimer's patients. Oh, okay. <laughs> the idea was first tried at Benrath Senior Center in Dusseldorf, Germany, who joined forces with a local care association and the public transportation department to construct an exact replica of a standard bus stop outside with one small difference. Buses do not use it. Mm-hmm. Before this unique system was created, the center frequently had been forced to rely on police to retrieve the Alzheimer's patients who often wanted to go home to go, go home to families and homes that did not exist. Right. After some careful observation, the staff of the center noticed a trend that escaped Alzheimer's patients often headed directly to their only exit, public transportation. Right. The theory of why this type of deception works is that in Alzheimer's patients, their short-term memory hardly works at all, but their long-term memory is still active. Right. So when they used to take transit or whatnot, right. it's still locked in. You know how that works. Exactly. Exactly. Right. They, they know that the green and yellow bus sign means transit, and they remember that waiting there means that they can then go home. Mm. So how the system works is the bus stop diffuses the sense of panic. For instance, if a delusional patient decided that they needed to go home immediately because their children were all alone and waiting for her, mm-hmm. the attendant didn't need to go restrain her or talk to her out of it. They simply would say, oh, well, there's the bus stop. Thus, the patient would go sit and wait. Knowing that she was on her way home, she would relax, and given her diminished cognition and length of memory, she would eventually forget why she was there. Staff can then approach the patient and tell them that the bus is delayed and invite them in for refreshments while they wait. Five minutes later, they've completely forgotten that they wanted to leave. Right. But to get the full verisimilitude of the experience, All right. okay. you have to get like a big cardboard facade of a bus uh-huh. that's like full it's full of people and just just like 12 of them drive by in a row <laughs> oh and just say oh no you're like oh fuck fucking transit cool. you'd have to do that that'd be the vancouver <laughs> yes fake bus stop yes well, well, I've, been waiting, I've been waiting a half an hour and now five of them go by and they're full mm-hmm. outrage but the problem is you know i i I wonder if half the bus stops in Vancouver aren't fake, given how yeah, maybe they're, they're full bus stops. You have all by. these like eighty-year-olds so just I'm, like r- around them in a yeah. little crowd. Now so, you know. You know, when I'm demented, sitting at the fake bus stop, I'll be oh great. <laughs> maybe, it's the fake bus stop, and then I'll go looking for the real bus stop. Maybe this is the first sign that you're starting to suffer from uh, Alzheimer's, there, Doctor Rob. Transit rage. Yeah, Transit precisely. Rage. The system has become so successful that many nursing homes throughout Germany and Europe have built these fake bus stops. Because it just works. They go out there, they sit, no bus ever picks them up, they never go anywhere else. Do they get, like, people who are from out of town, I was wondering the same thing. Who are like, oh, there's a bus stop. Does it have, like, a little... I can get back to my hotel from here. Uh Does it have, like, a little sign on it that people with Alzheimer's won't notice that says, psst, this is fake? (laughs) Yeah. And the best part about being the out-of-town tourist is suddenly you're going to be approached by very caring, mild people who are big (laughs) and in white jackets. Yeah, (laughs) precisely. Hi, uh, would you like to come inside for some refreshments? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> this, is, this is your next movie. 
Kevin. Oh, I've, fake bus stop brings person into mental home. Nice okay. care facility. Uh, yeah. All right. One flew over a cuckoo's nest meets saw. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> fake bus stop. <laughs> bus. So reading about this uh, in this news article led me to learn about this place in uh, Wiesp in the Netherlands, which is uh, a home nursing home organization called Hogeve. Uh-huh. They have built this gated model village for Alzheimer patients. They have about 152 residents mm-hmm. in this 24-hour facility, and it's gated in. So it's uh, basically think of it as like uh, Disneyland, as uh, Disney World, Euro Disney, as an apartment building. Okay. With a courtyard in the middle, okay. right? Okay. So that THX 1138. Mm-hmm. So that they can all uh, leave their apartments and then walk around, quote, outdoors, but they're still surrounded by oh. this uh, community that they're in. Right. It's not just that, but it also has uh, shops and uh, restaurants for them to go to. Uh-huh. In the grocery store, there's no prices on anything. Because right. they just go in, usually with their caregiver, they pick the things off the shelf that they want, and the person at the till knows how to handle people, is also working for this gated community. I was right. hoping you knows would also how be to handle Alzheimer's. people with Alzheimer's. Can I? So in? is the answer that they, they ring them through, and then yeah. the Alzheimer's patients leave, and they just put all the stuff back on the shelf again? <laughs> I think they get to go with it. With it. And they, I, if they take too much, I, they didn't say this, my guess is that they just eventually get it back, yeah. right? Because yeah. they'll forget that they've got it. Yeah, so it. everything on the shelf should be like wax or plastic i was hoping that i was hoping there would be no caregivers in here and it's just like this weird social experiment to see (laughs) how long like and then just miraculously everything starts working and uh, they will all work it out (laughs) well it's even better than that patient starts manning the till right yeah yeah yeah, exactly yeah (laughs) some alzheimer's patient wants to go buy chocolate goes to the chocolate shop the chocolate tier is an alzheimer patient and it just somehow It all locks in. I don't they think all, that they all go out. to the shop, and then one goes, "Isn't there like a, a a person who works here?" And then one of them goes, "I must work here." <laughs> Right, and maybe that's how it works. We're like, here you go. Ooh, this is how it all works. It's even cooler than that because the people working here are actually almost living as though this is like the Truman Show. Right. Because they do the yes and thing to everybody, uh-huh. and if people think they're paying for their food at the grocery store, they're yep, I'll take that money from you. Oh, I've given you your change, and they all uh, put them into different living environments that remind mm-hmm. them of the places that they grew up. So people from very religious backgrounds, there's a section for people from religious backgrounds that's filled with religious paraphernalia and they sing hymns together there's another one for people from a more rural another for people from a more urban place uh so they've got all these like little kind of fake comforting communities for all these people with alzheimer's to like as calmly as possible and as comfortingly as possible live together i'm concerned that this kind of uh, establishment is just going to attract people who like to trick others mm. who are the like you like uh, the god Loki, right? <laughs> you think you know? he goes for the low-hanging fruit? Yeah, absolutely. Coyote just comes in as well. Yeah, that's right. Just, just shows up and starts tricking the feeble-minded old okay. people. I want to move in. Yeah, I kind of... <laughs> sure. That would, sounds great. It yeah, looks, nobody says it looks no beautiful. to anybody. You'll be like a god among men. <laughs> it's. Uh, I'm not sure. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. So this is, uh, it looks like this, like there's a, a woman, uh, that's the grocery store with her caregiver. She's picked up that's her own That's a full groceries. basket of groceries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is what it looks like inside. It's beautiful, modern, uh, sunshine and trees One everywhere. One of those giant chess sets. One of those big chess sets. Yeah. There's a, yeah, big chess set there that they can play on. 
that nobody ever finishes a game of? Uh, so they just use it as a bowling alley? See, yeah. A little greengrocer's, a little post office for them to use. So they've got this little self-contained Alzheimer's village right in this town. Right, like but a, the, I'm uh, guessing the post office doesn't actually function as a post office. No, it does. It absolutely does. But the people who work at that post office are trained to deal with people with Alzheimer's. So that they can make sure that it gets properly addressed. They'll understand they might get okay. confused, that All they right. might want to send a mail to somebody who doesn't exist anymore. I thought for one so second it, just it was just like a paper shredder in the back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, your just, package has been delivered. I thought for one second <sighs> that this was like a real life version of one of those sort of play school play sets that you used to get. That's like, you know, have the little kind of like, you know, block figures or whatever. And then like everything in it is just kind of like a facade. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Nothing yes. actually works. And it's all just this big so sad you know, no it's not barkerville it's, yeah. yeah barkerville <laughs> visit beautiful barkerville british columbia but very, everything is shiny and new and everybody's got a big smile but nothing actually happens that's what i thought that's what i thought we were talking about august 18th 2014 british columbia canada mm. content warning this one is about taking your own life okay according Call to the back to yeah. uh, the aside guide on suicide yeah According to the letter posted on her blog, www.deadatnoon.com, dementia was taking its toll on Jillian Bennett, and with each passing day, she felt she was losing herself. Mm -hmm. I will take my life today around noon. It is time, wrote Bennett. I have choices which I have reviewed and either adopted or discarded. I think I've hit upon the right choice for me. I have talked it over with friends and relatives. It is not a forbidden topic, anything but. Dead at Noon sounds like the title of a Sam Raimi movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. She also outlined her options under current Canadian law, which she said included spending perhaps another 10 years in hospital at a cost of up to $75,000 a year to Canadians. Or as she put it, quote, have a minder care for my mindless body. Mm -hmm. Bennett's note included much consideration of the financial and emotional impact of these options on her family. She ended her life by ingesting drugs. Her husband, Jonathan, was witness to her suicide, but did not assist her. Mm. Mm. So... What was the purpose of announcing it ahead of time? Uh, I think she really wanted there to be a conversation about people's right to take their life right. when right. they're in these terrible situations. Not to like hide it away behind yeah. closed doors. Yeah. Kind of didn't thing. this appear? I thought this appeared the day she did it. Yeah, I think but, it did. Yeah. Yeah. So it didn't come out in advance. It was just boom, there it was. And right. by the time it had appeared, she was already dead. Oh, okay. Right. Think- so a conversation about euthanasia was yeah. what uh, she was trying to. Foster. Yeah, she's got some pictures of uh, herself and her husband up here, uh, deadatnoon.com. This is rough because, so your brain is going, Mm -hmm. but you'll eventually get flashes where it works. So you'll have instances, you'll have your lucid moments Mm -hmm. where you'll still be remembering the terror that you just recently had and Mm. recognize that you were completely lost. And so this flip between watching yourself break down and have nothing that you can do about it or even know that it's happening and then know that it's happening keeps going on. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a terrible, terrible thing to be trapped in. Yeah. I don't know what I would want to do if it came to that. But I mean, is this different than any other sort of like slow moving terminal disease? I mean, yeah, it's kind of in, in the, the same camp as cancer, well, right? In the, well, at least in cancer, your body's breaking down, you're feeling pain, but you're there, right? You can still think it through, you can rationally deal with it. Whereas with Alzheimer's, your ability to even understand what's going on goes away. So you become even more confused and even more B- fearful. Or blissfully ignorant. 
I don't think I see that very much in mm-hmm. Alzheimer's. It's well, it's it's more that you'll see it in their eyes. They'll be sitting there, and even the ones that are calm look confused, and they've got that look of worry in their eyes. And when they look at things, they're doing that thing where they're trying to figure out what it is with everything that they do. It's really mm-hmm. sad to watch. Absolutely. Yeah. I was. Even I thinking, think everybody should live forever. Boom. Uh, yeah. Problem solved. There you go. My proposed lesser of two evils for this was live your life as your attention and memory slowly disintegrate until everything around you is confusing and strange, or end your life with dignity before it reaches a certain point. Lesser of two evils. Uh, At what point do you do you make that call? I don't know. That's a rough call. At least it's a call we're going to be able to make in Canada now with the mm-hmm. recent Supreme Court decision. Oh, there we go. What yeah. was the recent Supreme Court decision? That um, physician-assisted suicide is not something that can be considered a crime and that the Supreme Court directed Parliament to create legislation, a legislative framework to allow physicians to participate in um, end-of-life euthanasia. Mm. Mm -hmm. And this is, I do want to add, this is for people with terrible end-of-life and quality-of-life problems. uh, For uh, Like if it's something else and you're thinking about anything, I want to stress, go back and listen to that suicide episode talk to somebody about this beforehand i don't want to bring the subject up without mentioning that well the the big question then is is then aren't we just going to have a rash of doctors who just want to whack old people you know it's like Mm. that oh you know we we always say that we were short on doctors maybe this can promote it is really get out there and like i don't uh, think that's the the, ad campaign that's the quality of person the kevorkians yeah exactly get you know you got a, a, a open season on old people Get out, give doctors, go to your med schools. I'll have to come up with a new oath. Get yeah. rid of that Hippocratic one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll call it an oldocratic one. Oldocratic oath? Yeah. yeah. Hippocratic oath. The Hippocratic oath. <laughs> March 12, 2015. The reason that we did this episode, the, the reason I decided to finally do Alzheimer's. Sir Terence David John Terry Pratchett, OBE, was an English author of fantasy novels best known for his Discworld series of about 40 volumes. Mm -hmm. His first novel, The Carpet People, was published in 1971. And since his first Discworld novel, The Color of Magic, uh, published in 1983, he wrote two books a year on average. He Mm. sold more than 85 million books worldwide in 37 languages and was the UK's best-selling author of the 1990s. Pretty sure uh, J.K. Rowling took over, though. Prolific writer, obviously. In August of 2007, Pratchett was misdiagnosed as having had a minor stroke a few years earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, He'd been having some odd memory and uh, visual processing problems, which doctors believe had damaged the right side of his brain. Uh, But that was wrong. Uh, While his motor skills were affected, the observed damage had not impaired his ability to write. In December of the same year, however, Pratchett posted online that he had been newly diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's disease. What age was he at this point? uh, He was 60 years old at the time. Mm. So fairly early Mm -hmm. he had a rare form of the the disease posterior cortical atrophy pca Mm -hmm. which we mentioned uh areas at the back of the brain begin to shrink and shrivel which affects visual processing though the problem isn't with the eye but with the processing in the brain right uh, describing the diagnosis as, quote, an embuggerance mm. in oh. a radio interview. Mm-hmm. He's a pretty how, funny, crotchety how guy. Pratchety yeah. <laughs> oh, classic Pratchett. He's great. He appealed to people to keep things cheerful and proclaim that we're taking it fairly philosophically down here and possibly mm. with a mild optimism. 
In early 2008, Pratchett revealed that he by then found it too difficult to write dedications when signing books, so Uh he would just sign his name. In his later years, Pratchett wrote by dictating to his assistant or by using speech recognition software. Uh In uh, March of 2008, he donated $1 million U.S. to the Alzheimer's Research Trust and Mm. that he was shocked to find out that the funding for Alzheimer's research is just 3% of that of cancer cures. Uh Mm. So when you start to look at it again, we're, we're showing that up to 50% of people who reach age 80 will suffer from Alzheimer's disease. Right. And the research to cure this funding is at 3% of what cancer is. Mm-hmm. How many people, is real. It's, yeah. How many people die of cancer versus how many people die of Alzheimer's? Well, it's hard to say because when people die of Alzheimer's, it's typically uh, old age, right? They don't say of Alzheimer's or not until recently do they say of complications from Alzheimer's, right? So it's hard to get those numbers right. Mm-hmm. Agree or disagree? Uh, hmm, good question. So, I mean, yeah, there's on a death certificate, there's multiple levels of causation. So the background diagnosis might be Alzheimer's disease, whereas the immediate cause of death might be something like respiratory failure, uh, pneumonia, heart attack, or whatever the, the final precipitating event is. Right. Is it a check? Is it a series of checkboxes? No, it mm-hmm. um, multiple is... Multiple choice? Not typically a series of checkboxes. Do you shake a, do you shake a magic eight ball? More, more like short answer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. In April of 2008, Pratchett worked with the BBC to make a two-part documentary series about his illness, Terry Pratchett Living with Alzheimer's. Uh, it's up on Vimeo in two parts. Mm-hmm. We'll link both of those parts on causedicksodapodcast.com. It's very good. He tries to maintain a pretty open mind about it and try to remain cheerful. It's kind of upsetting to me the bullshit woo that he decides to try out because what's it going to hurt? He tries this kind of ridiculous invention that some guy and his brother seem to have just made in their garage, which has LEDs, which are supposed to blast infrared radiation into your brain and Uh destroy the amyloid plaques. But it's just like this helmet made up of a bunch of LEDs that some guy made. So he's wearing a French fry warmer on his head. uh, So it's it's, basically like the time machine from Napoleon Dynamite. When the doctor talks... he shocks himself with. When the quote-unquote doctor talks that made this thing, it, uh-huh. it honestly looks like a guy going, oh, damn, I didn't think anybody would be interviewing me on a BBC documentary about this <laughs> bullshit device I made. I'd yeah. better make some stuff up good. Like, he looks terrified he's going to get found out. Yeah. And I don't really have much of a problem calling it as total bullshit. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, if I've got Alzheimer's disease... And the medical doctors say, meh. Yeah. I'll put a weird thing on my head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's, and that's his And thing, And the know. end of the documentary, Terry Pratchett was cured, right? <laughs> well, so the documentary was filmed solved in, by a million of these things. The documentary was filmed in 2008. Sadly, Pratchett died at his home on 12th of March, 2015 from his Alzheimer's. The Telegraph uh, newspaper did report uh, that an unidentified source was said that despite previous discussions of suicide, his death had been natural. Mm-hmm. Right. He did say, uh, as we were kind of discussing, wow, I don't think I would let it get that far. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the word is that we've heard is that he did pass away from complications to Alzheimer's. Right. There you go. Yeah. Pretty brutal stuff. Here's the good one. March 8th, 2015. Not even a week after Terry Pratchett passes. Oh, so Terry Pratchett's death caused this new development, whatever it might be. Well, that's how post hoc works, right? If it's after, it must be because of? That's right. Australia, March 18th. As we don't have any kind of vaccine or preventative measure for Alzheimer's, it's been a race to figure out how best to treat it, starting with how to clear the buildup of defective beta amyloid and tau proteins from a patient's brain. Mm -hmm. Now a team from the Queensland Brain Institute, which, yes, Mm, is a real place at Uh the University of Queensland, 
have come up with a promising solution for removing the former. This is the shaking thing. Uh-huh. The team describes the technique as using a particular type of ultrasound called a focused therapeutic ultrasound, which non-invasively beams sound waves into the brain tissue. Uh-huh. By quickly oscillating, uh-huh. the sound waves are able to gently open up the blood-brain barrier, blood which, brain is, barrier. which is the la- layer that protects the brain against bacteria, and stimulate the brain's microglial cells to move in. Microglial cells are basically waste removal cells. So uh-huh. once they get past the blood-brain barrier, they're able to clear out the toxic beta amyloid clumps before the blood-brain barrier is restored within a few hours. Are they clearing up the plaque? Yeah, basically they're letting this these microglial cells get in past what it normally couldn't get into, and they're clearing up the plaque. It's uh, going at your brain with uh, like a toothbrush. Yeah, or or uh, flossing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, flossing your brain. Yeah, mm, the brain, brain floss. floss. Check this yeah. out. The team reports it's different than butt floss. Slightly. Slightly different. The team reports fully restoring the memories of 75% of the mice they tested it on with zero damage to the surrounding brain tissue. Mm. They found that the treated mice displayed improved performance in three memory tasks, a maze, a test to get them to recognize new objects, and one to get them to remember the places that they should avoid. The the amazing part is that this also got the mice to talk about their past lives, (laughs) right? That they somehow been able to pass on... uh, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're uh, assembled memories. Maybe the jig that- is up. The earth is a computer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe it was just that they had toxoplasmosis, and that's what it was treating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, yeah. Uh, the team says that they're planning on starting trials with higher animal models, such as sheep, and Meh. they hope to get their human trials underway in 2017. Mm. This is super promising, because mm. you can kind of understand how it makes sense. It's using a thing that we have in our body to clear this out. The hope is that letting these cells into your brain doesn't have some other kind of terrible drawback but let me be the killjoy and say that 95 percent of findings in mice don't pan out in humans yeah sure but then there's that five percent yeah better than zero pop culture there's not a lot but uh the first one that came to my mind especially recently was that i hadn't seen and finally decided to watch for this is the notebook yeah yeah i'm gonna join you in that all right i'll tell my my notebook story let's hear it i went to this in theater when it was out, mm. when it first was released, with my girlfriend at the time who wanted to see it, <sighs> so tiresome. Well, I, it was yeah. a nonstop eye roll fest from this from this viewer right here. Who's in it, and what's the plot? Uh, is Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdam the movie that kind of made them both stars? Okay, mm-hmm. and when did the, it come out? Oh, like gotta be ten years ago. Two thousand four. Yeah, yeah, eleven years ago. Uh, and uh, I was sitting there uh, rolling my eyes uh, constantly. Audibly? Uh, yes, groans and ugh, bleh, bleh, like just constantly. And then right near the end of the movie, it was like this, it's kind of like imp- almost imperceptible, like <laughs> kind of noise, right? And I looked over and like three seats over, there were these two girls who were bawling their eyes out. And just like barely holding it in, just like <laughs> what happened? To, why? What happened to Ryan Gosling at the end? Uh, it uh, spoilers. <laughs> it turns out it's a flash forward, a flashback through time, and James Garner plays future Ryan Gosling. Oh, okay, and he's caring for this old lady, and it turns out that that's her. He's the- reading oh. her this story from a notebook about these two people who fall in love and then can't be together. Right, and it turns out that they are the people, and she's got Alzheimer's and doesn't remember. And so he's it. telling her about her life, yeah. their life together. Right, but she doesn't remember it. But then and at the end, because the he finishes the story and they fall up and they fall in love, then she remembers and she has a lucid moment and mm. they get to spend some time together. Wow. Mm. Yeah, <sighs> it's a, it's a it's a tiresome movie. 
A uh, non-tiresome but, movie about Alzheimer's that I think is just wonderful is called Iris with Judy Dench. It came out in oh. 2001 about the uh, Judy Dench plays the British intellectual Iris Murdoch. Oh, who, so it's not about eyeballs. It's not about the iris in your eye. It's not, no. Mm-hmm. no it's not just like a super close-up on Judy Dench's eye and you just hear her talking off camera the whole time. No. That no. would be a great kind of art film, though. I, I'd like. I, I think I'm going to do that. I think Call, film school students take note. Yeah. Does Kevin that's, have Alzheimer's? That's, evident, that's advice from a pro. Yeah, get your hands on Judy Dench and like, sky's the limit. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. What happens in the movie with Alzheimer's? It's a biopic of okay. Iris Murdoch, who was a sort of a British intellectual and novelist, which, uh, as a central premise, features her progressive deterioration into dementia and again uses a lot of uh, flashbacks into mm. how, you know how she met the man she married and uh, the, her rise in her career her intellectual power and then the sort of the slow disintegration of that and her intense frustration with the loss of her mental acumen mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah all the way to the point where she's no, no longer aware that she's lost her mental acumen right all right yeah yeah, That's the brainier people seem to react, uh, you know, poorly to losing your mental faculties. You know, yeah. right? People with big brains you use them all the time. Dumb people—they don't even care. That's what I wasn't I'm using that anyway. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Whatever. It's just kind of like uh, in in the immortal words of a great philosopher: "Brain, do this for me just this one time, and I'll get back to killing you with beer." Yeah, I want to talk some more about the Notebook because it wasn't the Alzheimer's thing that bugged me about it, which I thought was kind of—it was just kind of cheesy that they were doing that, like. Mm-hmm. I, I knew about it because that's why I was watching the movie, so I, it kind of got spoiled for me. But it mm-hmm. felt like it wasn't that big a surprise that it he wasn't was a surprise at all. Reading their love story and she didn't know it. Yeah, when they burst into tears because it reveals that it's her. I'm like, you didn't get this like, all the way along. Like, yeah. you're just like, have you never watched them. a film before? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, just ridiculously sappy. The thing that really bothered me was this supposedly romantic story. He's being a total creep. Uh-huh. Like the first time he ever sees her, he walks up, he's like standing two feet away from her and towering over her. She's on a date with some other people. And he like basically says, do you want to go out with me? And she's like, no. And he goes, why not? And then just keeps pushing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, no means no. Back the fuck off. Like, well, we hadn't invented that in 2004. I guess not. Well, it's talking about 1940 something. Definitely hadn't invented it. Hadn't even invented no, really. Well, maybe she already had early onset Alzheimer's and didn't remember she said no in the first place. It's so romantic the way he's not taking my no and keeps pursuing me. (laughs) I think now that he's made me lie in the middle of the street and almost get hit by a car Uh, and I'm freaking out is when I'll finally say yes to one of his questions. That's mm -hmm. what happens. That he just basically wears her down. Mm -hmm. It's so romantic. And then, uh, so right, but it is Ryan Gosling that wears her down. Oh sure. Oh hey, if you want to say you went for the for the asshole, the creepy asshole because he's good looking, fine. Just be honest about uh-huh. it. But then she, Chris Rock is a whole bit about. Uh, she ends know. up falling for James Marsden's character, mm-hmm. who I completely expect this character to turn into an evil dipshit. You know, like mm-hmm. oh, he's going to abuse her to go back. He's totally nice. Yep. He's a great, loving, caring partner. She like complains because he's super rich and they haven't done much stuff lately. She's like, I ha- I don't paint anymore, and he's got the line so paint, and you could totally be like so paint, but he delivers it. So paint. I'll, and uh-huh. you can tell he's like, no, I'll totally help you. Well, that's great. You should do that. Ah, and she leaves him for the fucking asshole anyway. Fuck that movie. <laughs> Fuck it. Ennui. Yeah. Ennui. Also in pop culture, sorry to jump in. No, good. Glenn Campbell's last song, last October, I Ain't Gonna Miss You. 
Oh, right. Glenn, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Glenn Campbell, uh, he, re- he, he recorded it, I think, in 2012 or 2013 and held it back, and it was waiting for it to be released because he w- was in dementia in oh. Alzheimer's disease, and it was being released shortly before his death from advanced Alzheimer's disease because he didn't want tons of cloying sympathy. Oh, but he didn't right. want to kind of make a final statement. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I it's, heard it's about a, that song. It's a really, really powerful, painful song. Hmm. Yeah, I'm uh, not going to miss you is the name of the song. Well, that's up on YouTube. I'll include that in the show notes. Yeah, go to causticsodapodcast.com to check all that stuff out. Also with a uh, an Alzheimer's gimmick is the new Rise of the Planet of the Apes movie, uh-huh. because the thing that makes the apes super smart is a potential cure for Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. which actually ends up working in a human, but not. Yeah, so they all walk a mile a day, eat baked or broiled fish once a week, and... Keep an eye on their weight. No, it's a magic injection. Oh, right. Magic. Forget lifestyle, kids. Yeah. That's all baloney. It's because Robin's father has Alzheimer. Who's? What? Robin in, in the movie? Ro- uh, which movie? Uh, Planet of the Apes. Oh, There's is that a- his name? Is it like the Dave, is it James Franco character? Oh, James Franco. <laughs> Not Joseph Gordon-Levitt. James Franco, you're right. <laughs> oh, oh God. yeah, okay. Right. I didn't know where Robin came from. <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay, all my right. bad. Uh-huh. Who's James Franco? He uh, because the Goblin, the yes. Hobgoblin, yes, the Hobgoblin, <laughs> yes, his father, yes, has Alzheimer's, <laughs> yes. And in it, he does uh, end up because his Alzheimer's progresses and gets bad. He finally does inject him with some of this thing that made the apes super and smart, and it works, but it then stops working, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. So Stupid temporary. Permanent, permanent on drugs. apes, temporary on humans. I do like the new series of Planet of the Apes movies. I think I actually think I was they're kind of better surprised. than the originals. Yep. Are they going to go Omega? <laughs> we can only hope. You guys don't remember how the, the original Planet of the Apes series ended? Uh, no. There was this priest yeah. cult the underground that movie? worshipped. Yeah, they worshipped uh, a nuclear device, bomb. A nuclear bomb. Oh yeah, it was and terrible. And there was this final the Planet of battle the Apes. in a cave, oh, and yeah. Charlton Heston's character who. Let's face it, was kind of a whiny baby tough guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Detonates the device. If I can't have things my way, I'm going to destroy all life on the yes. planet. Yes, Screw I you. vaguely remember yeah. living underground. As he's dying of a gunshot yeah. wound. Shove. So, wow. so who's better, humans or apes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's the point. Doesn't matter now. There aren't even beetles anymore. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside, and when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling, an ominous feeling, a feeling you know that we'll be back when the week is new. And we'll have more gross facts for you. And you'll have things you want to hear about. We will too. Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson whilst he was writing his erotic fan fiction that crosses over the worlds of Jurassic Park and Saved by the Bell. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter, at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. I'm Eric Fell. Thanks for listening. 
Wiggle, uh, wiggle, 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 uh, wiggle, 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 uh.